All right. Happy Hump Day, everyone. It's Wednesday, October 21st, 2020, International Day of the Nacho, Week 7 of the NFL season, and of course, Week 7 of the fantasy football season. You're listening to the In Between Fantasy Football podcast, your destination for both some feel-good life and some fantasy sports advice as well. I'm Seth Woolcock, the founder of In Between Media. Treat me as your captain of this ship. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Thomas Kuda, coming from Ocala, Florida, and Nate Polvote, coming from Denver, Colorado. Uh, Treat them as your co-captains, if you would. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? It's a beautiful fall morning today here in Pennsylvania. I don't know how it is out where you guys are. Well, here it's a balmy 81, also lovely morning, just in a different way. (laughs) Dude, I'll take those 80s over the 40s we've got right now, man. <laughs> Any snow yet, Nate? Uh, no, but this weekend we're supposed to get snow, which is so much fun. <laughs> Just ash falling from the sky from Nate. Yeah, that's yeah. all we've got right now. <laughs> all right. So you can find myself on Twitter at between Seth underscore FF. You can find Tom on Twitter at Thomas Kuda. You can find Nate on Twitter at Janate Jack 2017. And you can find the show, the site, everything we have going on over to in between media at IBT underscore media. We have columns coming out Tuesday through Sunday, Sunday brunch on Sunday, getting you ready before kickoff. We have this podcast coming out every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. And, uh, yeah, guys, it's just been a blast so far. Can you believe that we're almost halfway through the season already? No, it's crazy. I feel like the season just started, and but it's also been such a whirlwind. I feel like we should be by by now like week 14, week 15. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it's been wild. Honestly, I wasn't even convinced we'd get this far. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy we're here. Here we are. We're going to continue as the NFL is continuing. Uh, it might be a couple curveballs along the way, but hey, that's life, gentlemen. We talk a lot about that here at In Between Media. You can subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review. We're available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Blueberry, iHeart, and Deezer. And before we jump in, gentlemen, uh, it's, it's a loaded show today. We have some temperature check coming in, up, uh, some in the scope, some sure things, sleeper of the week. If you could describe this season in a word or a couple words, how do you think you would describe that, putting you on the spot here a little bit? Medium dumpster fire. <laughs> Unregulated chaos. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fitting, Tom. It's it's definitely been one of the crazier fantasy football seasons I can remember. Like every year is weird. Every year we get some crazy injuries and some crazy breakouts, but this season like from big name players being released to heartbreaking injuries we've seen in the first 6 weeks to COVID ruining games, you know, hours before kickoff, it's really been just a whirlwind like you said Nate. We're here in week 7 though and and we're going to continue on through here and we're going to get started this week with some temperature check temperature check that's really spicy holy 
All right, gentlemen. So this is kind of breaking news coming in yesterday. Tua Tagovailoa, after uh, after a two-game win streak from the Miami Dolphins, they're sitting at a three and three record. A cool three and three for the Dolphins, actually above the Patriots in the division for what what has to feel like my lifetime. Tom, I, I know you're probably there too. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he was slinging it though. Fitzmagic was kind of doing his thing. Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, also out to great starts for these Dolphins. And uh, they officially, on the bye week, they're making the switch to Tua Tagovailoa. We saw him a, a couple snaps this week. I think he was two for two for about nine yards or so on Sunday. So before we jump into the straight impact of Devontae Parker and Miles Gaskin, as those are definitely the most fantasy-relevant players and probably the only players you're really rostering from Miami at this point in the season, maybe maybe Preston Williams. I know Nate has a Nate has a thing for his there, but... Uh, how are we viewing on a scale from one to ten? How do we view Tua in in a redraft league? He definitely has some rushing upside, wouldn't you think? So I've got a buddy who's a lifelong hardcore Alabama fan, and I was talking to him about all of this this morning. And his take is like he's somebody he thinks everyone should be buying at this point. Um, feels like he's going to take off in that offense. Really doesn't see a downside. I can't say I disagree. I, I think that what we saw from him at Alabama is that he's composed and he can handle running an offense. And I don't think that's changed. You don't go from a guy like Fitzpatrick, who's having a Fitz magic season to Tua, if you don't think that Tua can keep going or do better. And it seems like Fitz magic kind of agrees. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I've been like a little torn over this. I love Tua. Like I definitely want to put that out there first. I think he's going to be an incredible quarterback. I just worry that they're rushing him onto the field a little. Like I don't, he didn't get a preseason in. He hasn't. He's played two snaps so far since his injury. You know, I just want them to be picked. He's 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 a, a precious commodity, so don't don't waste him. <laughs> well, do do either of you guys feel like maybe this was the plan all along? Like ride Fitz Magic to the bye and then get to it in to, to give him that like preseason ish experience of sitting behind an experienced veteran. It's, I mean, it sounds like it could be neat. That's a great theory. I haven't heard that yet, but that makes sense. Like, it seems like something that was already predetermined. And now that they're sitting at three and three, I think that they're, they're thinking postseason. I think, like, like their worst thing, like, like they put Tua in for a couple games, he struggles, and then Fitzmagic comes back in and they're vying for the playoffs, worst case scenario. Well, I was kind of talking to Troy King yesterday a little bit about this whole situation, and <clears throat> I threw it out there that I think. Tua gives them an opportunity to possibly win hot take the AFC East this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you here, Nate. I think it's definitely something that, I mean, it, it's going to change things up. We know Tua, he's a guy who can compete. The first time we ever saw him on the national stage, he won a national title as a freshman, put in at halftime, and probably one of the greatest college football games I've ever seen. His junior year, he was nothing short of spectacular, nearly 4,000 yards, 43 touchdowns, six picks, 190 rushing yards, and five TDs on the ground that year. So, I mean, it, it was it was an awesome sophomore season for Tua. Junior year, we obviously saw the dip after he got hurt and what wasn't playing as well as he was prior to that injury as well. I, I see him, like, like, I think he's obviously, he's going to be in that QB2 mix. We, we There's a talented team down in Miami, and I think there's a reason they're putting him in. Uh, would you guys agree with me on the QB2 mix? And, and where do you see this kind of affecting Miles Gaskin and Devontae Parker as well? They've been nothing short of amazing this season as well. Well, for me, I, I do definitely agree that he should be in the QB2 mix. I think he'll rush enough 
to like almost guarantee that that's going to be his floor. I'm looking at their stretch of games coming up after the bye. He'll have the Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, and Denver in the first four games. I mean, that's a pretty mixed bag of potential for him to play well, just depending on how things go. So I definitely, I don't know. I really want Tua to just go out there and ball. Like I want him to go out there and throw 300 plus yards a game and rush for another hundred. So um, as far as the other two, like the rest of the offensive pieces are concerned, I mean, obviously I'm going to downgrade them until we see what happens here. Maybe not Gaskin just because if Tua doesn't do well, they're going to let him rush more. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely like, I, I want to see how they play before I'm ready to like say, yes, keep rolling Parker and Gaskin mm-hmm. out to a confidence every week. Yeah, I think it's probably a good time to buy low on Williams and buy low on Parker depending on the mood in your league and how people are feeling about Tua. But in general, I'd be willing to sell low on those guys just to kind of cut my losses and make sure I've got someone that I'm a little bit more confident in. Uh, Miles Gaskin, though, I think they're going to have to – if if they're truly going to give Tua the opportunity to grow and not rush him into being a 30-pass attempt guy, they're going to have to ride Gaskin a little bit and maybe even Matt Breda a little bit too. I mean, we might see him come into the mix a little bit more, but I think the run game there is something that I want to buy into right now. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see kind of what happens near the goal line. Hopefully Gaskin, who finally has gotten that goal line work, can can keep that goal line work moving forward. So I, I think that's definitely an interesting factor of it all. I'll be honest, boys. I think Matt Breida looked awful last week. They kind of gave him more carries, I thought, uh, against against his former team. And the, the week before, he was getting more carries, and Jordan Howard's been inactive. But I I don't know. I don't know. I just I, I think Miles Gaskin's the truth right now. I guess we'll see if he can continue to get the dump-off passes. I think that's been a big part of his game this season. So if all bodes well, though, I mean— we could see a nice Dolphins team. We could see a, a nice Dolphins, some nice Dolphins fantasy pieces as well. I agree with you there, Tom. So yeah, this this is time to buy. This time to sell. So keep that in mind. Uh, let's move to someone else here, DeAndre Swift. Stick shifts and safety belts. Quietly, Swift has had double digits in three or four games so far this season. He went off in Week Six for 14 carries, for 116 yards, and two touchdowns adding three for seven in the passing game, uh, 27.3 fantasy points. Uh, again, it was against Jacksonville, who's been atrocious against the run all year. This was a close all-in pick for me this season, gentlemen. I'll be honest. Like, I- I'm, probably at, I'm probably at a six or a seven. I've been waiting for Swift to come along. I played him in almost every le- league I had him, which is a lot this past week. I think his, he's got a healthy schedule coming up. Uh, Atlanta, Colts, Minnesota, Washington. I'm counting on you here, boys, to talk me down because because I'm I'm feeling Swift right now. So my concern with Swift kind of is twofold. <clears throat> Matt Patricia's the head coach still, and I don't trust him to do anything consistent offensively. I mean, I I just don't. And then he still split carries with Adrian Peterson last week. Um, I kind of agree with Nate on not trusting Patricia a little bit. Like, really, the only person that I truly, truly trust in this offense is basically Kenny Galladay, as long as he's healthy to be like their possession receiver and get a bunch of attention. But I, I mean, I love Swift. So I've been trying to pour a little cold water on this myself, especially after seeing him, you know, pop off so hard this week <laughs> and as their next game, like other stars are aligning, but I do, you know, there are some factors unrelated to him that might kind of pour a little, cold water on the situation so 
I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll cool you down a little bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the double digits in, in four or five games now at this point, he, he's been in RB2 thus far. I, I think that's kind of where I had him coming into the season, Tom. I think we talked once in the offseason, and I saw him as like a like RB24, somewhere right around there. And I, I, I think he's that, maybe a little more. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if the Lions can stay competitive because like I, I think... We've seen so many times after these buys that like the rookies show up. They 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 see what they have in the rookies. They kind of get them more involved in the offenses, and I think that's what happened here with Swift. Could this be his biggest game of the season? Possibly. I think he maybe has another thirty burger or close to a thirty burger in him. But for me, he's an RB two going forward. I'm starting him pretty much everywhere everywhere I have him at this point at least for these next couple games Atlanta uh the Colts have been a great defense but not awesome against the running back so I'm starting him moving forward but I definitely appreciate the the cold water a little bit I I think it's definitely something to keep him in check like AP is there and AP is doing AP shit this year so uh let's move on to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin Chris Godwin returned to action this weekend going five for 48 Mike Evans had a Mike Evans stinker, one for 10, no touchdowns. Uh, Currently, Mike Evans, he leads uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in touchdowns, outside of Brady, of course. Six touchdowns for him, but he's still only wide receiver 18. Chris Godwin, he hasn't been what we expected so far. Obviously, he's been banged up a majority of the season. But with the Bucs defense as good as they are, you know, they shut down the Packers on Sunday. They had a pick six, and after that, Aaron Rodgers did not do anything. Rojo is doing great in the running game. We expect Leonard Fournette to make his way back soon as well. Where are we on a Mike Evans and Chris Godwin right now, gentlemen? Well, I think it's an interesting situation how they're using Evans more at the goal line, it seems. I mean, those six touchdowns, that's pretty good, but he's just not producing in yards and touches. Um I think Godwin going forward, he's someone, if he stays healthy, I, I, I'm starting him every week. Yeah, I mean, so I've been, I have Mike Evans in Dynasty. You know, I've had him since the day we drafted that league a few years ago. And he always, every year, he has just one or two absolute stinkers. Like he'll just blank you or as close to blank as you can get. It happens. Um, he's still an incredible wide receiver. They have used him a ton in the red zone this year. I don't know, though. This is what I was worried about when Tom Brady showed up because you know he has an affinity for spreading the ball around and usually keying in on one possession receiver to help him move the chains. And it seems like Chris Godwin has kind of taken on that Julian Edelman-style role. So I think my fear for Mike Evans moving forward is, you know, Bruce Arians is a classic coach. If they're ahead in the game, they're going to run it. They're going to pound it, run the clock down. They're not going to bother with, you know, wasting air yards and you know, potentially risking parts of the game. So it, I think, you know, Mike Evans has been downgraded a little bit for me. Like I think the wide receiver 18 is probably about where he'll finish. I don't think he's going to, maybe he'll edge himself up to 13 or 14, but I don't know if he's a one anymore. If he, if he's a one, I feel like it's by the, by the graces of, of, of big games and inconsistent games, kind of what we saw from him last season, kind of what we saw from Amari Cooper last season a lot of the time. With that being said, I'm still buying low right now. Uh, I don't think like, like people drafted this season with them in mind of at their absolute ceiling. Like, like they took them, you know, high-end wide receiver, at least Godwin, a high-end wide receiver one. I had in my top five and then I think Mike Evans, you know, a top 10, 12 receiver he was going to. And I don't think they're that. Like, I got a trade off for today, Miles Gaskin straight up for Mike Evans. And I don't think I'm going to do it. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that, Seth. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah, it's like it, it's yeah. so. It, it it's so hard though because it's like we come into you know miles gaskin is a guy you get off a of free agency and you know waiver claimed him i think week one and and you've heard mike evans for years and how he's just he's a monster he can win you weeks but everything changes now like you can no longer look at things as perspective like hey i'm getting mike evans who's a second or third round pick six weeks ago like if we were to redraft right now like mike evans would probably be like a middle of the road fourth round pick or so well, and everything changed for him when they shifted from Winston to Brady. I mean, it's a completely different feel of an offense. And Jameis Winston really used Evans as a crutch in tough situations, and Tom Brady doesn't need that from him. I, I think they just don't need him in general, the Buccaneers. Like, their defense is so good. Like, they probably have the first or second best defense this season. So, so they, I, they're going to win with defense running the ball and Tom Brady making the plays when he has to at the end of the game. One last one, one last temperature check for for me here, gentlemen. Uh, this brings me great joy to say this, but Justin Jefferson, nine for one sixty six and two in week six, his second time over that thirty burger mark this season. Last week we were talking about on here. He was my short thing sleeper of the week. I saw him as a wide receiver two the rest of the way. I saw a big upside here in week six. The first two weeks, he wasn't the starter. BC Johnson was starting over him, and now he's wide receiver seven in redraft. Where are we on Justin Jefferson? Because I feel like I can't even look at the situation straight because I'm on, on such a high. I'm kind of with you. Like, uh, his potential is just, like, through the roof. And he's doing all this in spite of Kirk Cousins being the quarterback that is throwing him the ball, which I think is interesting. Um, he's just got, he's got such good hands, you know, <laughs> he's 20 targets, 16 catches, 348 yards. He's averaging 21 yards per catch. I mean, that's, that's impressive. That is just, it's, it's an impressive stat line, especially for a guy in Minnesota with an inconsistent quarterback who will go out and throw three interceptions in the first quarter of a game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a very impressive stat line, but I have to, I feel like we have to expect some regression to like a right. more average level of performance, especially with Kirk for cousins. appointment <laughs> of my life throwing this with the football. I mean, I don't know. You're right. It was Atlanta. They beat up on, they beat up on the Falcons. So does everybody. I, <laughs> I don't know. I want to see how consistent of a role he'll carve out for himself after the bye. Cause you're right. This, the bye week is usually when they'll say, these are the rookies that are performing. Let's fully work them into our game plan see where we go from there. So I'll definitely be keeping an eye on him for like the next couple of weeks, going to green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, just to kind of see if they really have solidified his role in the offense to see if he can keep up that 21 yards per catch. I mean, Trust me, I would love for this to be a home run for you because you've been talking about this dude all offseason. <laughs> so, so I just, you know, I'm a, a, a cautious person. So if I can get him, like if, you know, if I have him, I'm holding him, playing him, whatever. But I'm definitely, I don't know if I'm ready to call him like the wide receiver seven for the rest yeah. of the year. <laughs> and rightfully so, Tom. I agree with you there. Wide receiver seven, that that's, that's huge. That's way too big of a number for him. But Two, two things here like like Justin Jefferson I feel like he's interesting because like to me like we obviously saw some big plays from him in college but we saw everyone who played with Joe Burrow have big plays so I saw him more as this like possession receiver 
a bigger like a, a cross between like an Adam Thielen and a uh, Alshon Jeffrey is kind of what I profiled him coming in and I feel like at the end of the day he's you have to start him every week now you have to start him every week and you're not you can't go out and buy him now you can't buy him and I mean maybe you can sell super high if you want to that might not be a bad idea but he's an every week starter now and he's he's untouchable as far as you can't trade for him well and I think especially we saw last week with Dalvin Cook out and as we all whiffed on Alexander Madison, like clearly they're not going to try and run the ball with Madison because they keep getting, they get behind so quickly in these games. So I think that benefits if you own Justin Jefferson, I mean, you're going to throw the ball and you've got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. He doesn't throw the ball to Kyle Rudolph. He doesn't even look at Irv Smith. It's like, he doesn't exist. He's coming. I think Irv's coming. Irv's coming. I think I, I certainly hope so. I've got him in like three dynasty leagues. I need him to come on at some point, but I just, I see Jefferson and Thielen taking the majority of the touches in that offense, especially with Cook out. I have the targets in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right, so I'll kick us off today for In the Scope. I want to talk about a guy from Nate's very own Denver Broncos, Tim Patrick. Uh, I think it's time we about show this man some respect. He has 14, over 14 PPR points in his last three outings, back-to-back 100-yard games. Drew Locke, he, he's looking Patrick's way, and Drew, and Drew Locke looked good coming back, I, I thought. these. Uh, so, I mean, I think it'll be really interesting to see if Patrick, who has, has been great, it seems like he's kind of stepped into that Cortland Sutton role, if you would. Uh, for me, he's a wide receiver three candidate moving forward. Nate, what do you think on this? You're the guy who kind of knows the Broncos, uh, like the back of your hand. He's got a nice schedule coming up. Kansas City, Chargers, Atlanta, Las Vegas, Miami, New Orleans. I think he's stepped in to spell Cortland Sutton pretty well. Um, A lot of people here expected that to be Jerry Judy. He just hasn't been it yet. And he's young. And Drew Locke's young. You know, you got these young – the offense is so young. Patrick is a little bit – more of a veteran presence, I suppose. And I think that Locke just seems to trust him. And we saw that on Sunday. He's a big dude, big hands, good hands, a lot of speed. And they're really struggling to run the ball at this point because the offensive line is so bad. I think Patrick is a guy I'm happy to have on my roster if I've got him. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's hard not to be happy, honestly, with like, a, you know, how well he's been playing and stuff. And I mean, for as long as they struggle to run the ball, like you said, Nate, I think he's just going to keep getting a lot of attention, a lot of opportunity to turn some yards for you. Well, and especially with Noah Fant being hurt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos just can't catch a break. It seems like in the injury, in the injury field. And to me, I feel like Tim Patrick might be a super sneaky guy the rest of the way, because when you think about it, like Jerry Judy, they're probably like throwing all the coverage out on him. Like when you really think about it, defenses aren't worried about Tim Patrick. And then he goes down the sideline for 35 and then, then you regret your game plan a little bit. But to me, like I said, I think he's a wide receiver three moving forward and and he's out there. I literally picked him up off free agency this morning in multiple leagues. Like he's probably still out there in a majority of leagues. Yeah. The only other note I think I'd throw in is a kind of just to piggyback on your defense point is like, even if they do game plan for Tim Patrick, instead of Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy will just eat them alive. Yeah. Like whichever one you don't focus on is going to get a lot of points. And I just feel like most teams are going to try to shut Judy down. Cause he's got, he's like the hot thing. Like they don't want him to get mm-hmm. good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Denver looks like finally they have some decent fantasy options. I mean, uh, three weeks ago, Nate, it looked like the world was crashing around your Denver Broncos. You know, shit was hitting the fan left and right, and now it seems like they're finally getting their feet under them a little bit. Man, I really hope so. (laughs) A win against New England, like, that's no joke. That is no joke at all. No, and I was impressed. The defense really shut Cam down for most of the game. I mean, uh, it was was a good win. Anytime that we beat New England, I'm happy. Absolutely. And Tom, why don't you uh, throw out your in-the-scope candidate here? All right, so this week um, I wanted to talk about Travis Fulgham. Um, he kind of popped last week, so you prob- some a lot of people probably have him or at least know of him. If he is rostered in your league, you can probably you know scoop him away from whatever team has him. But he is a really, really good yards after the catch guy. He's good at running speedy, crisp routes. He gets that you know half step separation. He makes good plays. His main problem is that he is bad at contested catches. So like, you know, they're not going to really throw him fades in the red zone most likely because in college he was three for 14 of contested catches. It's an abysmal number, but because he's usually got that half step separation, he leaves himself in a good spot to be a possession receiver, which is what they've used him as. He's had over 10 um, targets in the last two weeks and he's turned those into pretty good games, honestly, especially if it's somebody you're just picking up off the waivers and throwing in. Now, obviously, as the Eagles receiving course starts to get a little healthier and people come back, you could see him have a reduced role. But given how the season has gone, I don't think they're going to stay healthy for very long. So I have a lot of confidence that, you know, the rapport that he's building with Carson Wentz and the you know safety valve he's been for him in these past few games will continue, especially this week against the Giants on Thursday night. Yeah, I agree with you, Tom. I think something I think I wrote about in my column yesterday was even though it looks like Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson are on their way back, I still think Fulgham's built the rapport with Wentz and he trusts him and he's gotten him out of some tough situations the last couple of weeks, maybe kept Wentz from getting trashed into the ground and Wentz is going to remember that. And I think he's going to keep going to him. He's been fairly sure handed. Um, He's been a good go-to guy for him and Ertz is down. Miles Sanders is out like that offense hurts. They're just, they're just, and I feel awful for Philly fans, which I never thought I'd ever say in my life, but they're uh, that team is just so beat up, but Fulgham looks so good. And I, I would be starting him every week, regardless of matchups. I agree, Nate. He, he's been the only right spot on that team. It has been an awful year. They're, they're what one, four and one haven't been competitive in most games until the very end. Travis Fulgham, he's an interesting story here. Uh, They call him Full Yard is his nickname. Uh, He comes from Old Dominion, the college in Virginia down there by the the coast. And he was a six-round pick last year by the Lions. Obviously, you know, we know the Lions, they've been known to give up on people pretty early. So maybe he's he's a legit option going forward. Like, not just for fantasy, but for the Eagles. Like, I think they found something special. And do you guys remember, like, Alshon Jeffrey, his – rookie season or whenever he like first popped off for the bears like nobody knew who that guy even was and then he kind of came out of nowhere Fulgham looks like like a guy like that who could just be someone you ride the rest of the season and put him in your wide receiver two every week and he provides and you trade away your wide receiver two for like a, a good package him to get a good rb1 or something and then nate how about how about you're in the scope candidate here for week seven so 
I'm kind of in love with Gabe Davis this week. I think what we saw Monday in that weird three o'clock mountain time game between <laughs> the chiefs and the bills, which was, uh, it was so fun to be watching football that early in the day. I loved it. Um, Josh Allen needs another consistent target. John Brown's not it. The guy's got a case of the drops this year. He can't hold on to anything. Stefan Diggs has been good, but I don't think he's been what everybody expected him to be in that offense. I, I think there was this idea that get him away from Kirk Cousins to save his career. And we've seen that Stefan Diggs might've been part of the problem too. Oh. Um, he's just so streaky. I, I know it's kind of a hot take, but I, I think Diggs was part of the problem in Minnesota too. Like I just, I think Gabe Davis needs to be that guy that becomes that late mid season, like shift the offense a little bit more towards him. He's got eight targets, eight catches on the season. Every time he touches the ball, he does something pretty big with it. I mean, he's been able to turn something into nothing a couple of times. I just, I really like him. And I think he's kind of a sneaky play and he's out there. I mean, you go into your league right now, if you're listening to us and find him on a waiver wire, I, I think if you have the space, it's worth the grab. And I, I see big things coming from him as the season progresses. The, the, yeah, I feel like this is a super. That was a super hot take, Nate. You you just you just absolutely buried Stephon Diggs, who has had over almost fifteen fantasy points in six straight games this week. Man, that was that's that. I, I hear you, but I feel like that's a volume thing because Allen is targeting him and targeting him and targeting him. And I was high on digs when the season started. I, I got him everywhere I could and I was pounding the table for him, but I think I was wrong. Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to get super pumped up about Gabriel Davis. I think he's a great talent. I agree with you there, Nate. I'm just worried about at the end of the day, I feel like he's the wide receiver for, for Josh Allen. And I know Josh Allen's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league this season and and they're getting Davis involved in other ways some of these gadget type plays but it's still really hard for me to get pumped up with him with Cole Beasley you know manning down the slot and John Brown's still there I I still believe in Smokey I want to believe in Smokey he's just what I've watched what I've watched of him this year he's just looked wildly inconsistent to me Tom where do you weigh in on this man um, I don't know. I, I have a general philosophy for like, I take a look at a quarterback on a team and just be honest with myself about how many wide receivers they can produce. You know what I mean? Like how much production they can grant to their wide receivers. And maybe I'm still disrespecting Josh Allen a little, but I think he's got one, maybe one and a half. Like, I don't think he's the type of guy who's going to give you like, you know, Tom Brady in his prime where he can put three guys in the, in wide two, you know, two in wide receiver one, one wide receiver two, like every week. I just don't think that's Josh Allen. I think you got, I mean, you know, if Diggs does blow his opportunity there and he starts to suck, they'll look somewhere else. But I think it's just Diggs and maybe one other person every week. And that'll rotate based on the game plan. But you know, I think just for me, I think there's some limitations and how much they can really get done every week just for the sake of, like, I don't, I just don't see Josh Allen as someone who's going to prop up three wide receivers for the, a whole season. See, and I'm already ready to put Josh Allen in the Hall of Fame. So, <laughs> yeah, it, with that all being said, Nate, I, I think, I, I think Gabriel Davis is a super sneaky play. Like if you're out there and, you know, waivers are bare and you need a play, Gabriel Davis can get you points. And also like in the DFS landscape, whether you're playing captain, whether you're playing you know, uh, a week-long DFS, 
I think Gabriel Davis, he's a sneaky start in that as well. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. And let's round out the show, gentlemen. We've talked a lot about fall, but you know, summer's still in the air here in Pennsylvania. Let's let's get some sure things, sleepers of the week. It's the sure thing. Sleepers of the week. So this week, my short thing, now, my last two short things have been okay things. <laughs> Both of them, a 13-point week and a 12-point week. You're not, you know, you're not, you know, tweeting at me saying thank you. You're probably at me wishing that I, you know, you know, not made it home last night or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I think I'm going to turn my fortunes around a little bit, and we're going to go with C.D. Lamb. Now, if you, you know, had eyeballs and you watch that Dallas game, whew, that was a mess. <laughs> that team is struggling without Dak. But C.D. Lamb has seen at least 10 targets a game with Dalton throwing the ball. That's great. I like, you know, that's possession receiver territory. He's trusting him. He's throwing him the ball, giving him opportunities. Really good for PPR, which, I mean, it's, you know, don't play standard, play PPR, or at least half a game. Um, so I think that this game is going to be a get right game for the Cowboys. I mean, it's a Washington defense, so they're going to have every opportunity here to find a way to click. I mean, I know Andy Dalton, he's not the greatest, but he's been more than serviceable. And I mean, I think that he will get his rapport in with these guys. And I think that CD lamb will be one of the biggest beneficiaries. I mean, it was Zeke had the most targets on the team, and then Lamb tied with Cooper for second most targets on the team, which to me means that he should have a lot of opportunity to really blow open plays this week. I mean, if he gets 10 more targets and he catches eight of them, that's eight shots for him to take something to the house or, you know, 20-yard, 30-yard chunks he's going to be ripping off this week. I'm just very confident that this could be kind of like a, a – an opportunity for him to cement a role with Dalton as quarterback for the rest of the year. My only like big hes- hesitation on this, and I love C.D. Lamb. I think this guy is a world-class talent. He's wide receiver 11 right now. He's had double digits points in every single week. Like that's phenomenal. He is not busted once. Uh, and like I, I'm tired of waking up in the morning and and getting like trade offers that are like Phil Lindsay for C.D. Lamb. No offense, Nate, but like you know, just just like players who don't Nine Hines and Leonard Fournette for C.D. Lamb. It's like show show the man some respect. Obviously, his ceiling's not there, but the floor is. But my only concern is like why is Cedric Wilson out there running so many routes? Like I was like wanting to like rip my hair out seeing Cedric Wilson early in the game getting all these routes. It was just asinine. That's kind of my concern with Lamb is Mike McCarthy. Like, I just – I hung my hat on Dalton last week, and that was a huge mistake, as we all know. And I just don't buy that offense without Dak. I don't think that – I don't think they can win games. I don't think they can put up a lot of points. I just don't trust it. And I love C.D. Lamb, and I think his ceiling is – with Dak, but with Andy, I just don't, I just don't buy it. Um, I don't disagree with you for sure. I mean, I, I don't like Mike McCarthy. I'll just be honest with you. Like there's a reason Green Bay got rid of him. I don't know why Dallas got him. It's like another one. He's not Gase, but like, it's one of those Gase situations where like he'd proven that he wasn't it. 
I mean, look at how good Green Bay is doing this year. Like, he wasn't the guy. I don't know why they spent money on him. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, it is. But, like, I guess my thing is I feel like I'm looking at Lamb as, like, the guy who's going to get all the garbage yeah. time. Like, if they're, they're going to fall yep. like every single game. They're going to get one out. And I just think he'll be the beneficiary of 200, you know, garbage yards in the air every game. I could be wrong about that. I, I very well could be. That's just where, like, I'm putting my confidence in Lamb to be, like, the one shiny spot in the turd of Dallas right now. <laughs> I think that makes sense, though. I, I think you're right. I mean, it has to be somebody. <laughs> I mean, Dalton's not going to go out and throw for 75 yards a game. And with Zeke. Well, we don't some, know. You never know. It could happen. <laughs> it could happen. But it, he just see, it feels so risky to me. But, I mean, no risk, no reward, right? I If I have C.D. Lamb, and I do in a couple of leagues, I'm listening to offers I'll be honest, all this like locker room noise coming out about Mike McCarthy is a little... It, maybe I was just a little hot on Mike McCarthy. I, I, I thought that him coming into Dallas over Jason Garrett looked like, like like the stars had aligned to me for Dak at least. And I'm a big Kellen Moore guy, so I'll continue to be there. And I, I won't, like you said, Tom, there is so much garbage time that's going to go on. CeeDee Lamb will be a monster. I just hope that like Jerry gets like all pissed off and gets in Mike's face this week and be like, dude, don't play like Cedric Wilson ever again. You're going to lose your job on the spot. So Mary had a little lamb. His face was white as snow. Yeah. Hopefully that happens. I don't know if it will, but either way, we got a short thing sleeper of the week from Tom for week seven, CD lamb. So I don't feel like I should have to say this, but I see a lot of hate for Ronald Jones on Twitter still, even today. Saw some of it this morning, and I don't get it. So I'm going with Ronald Jones, man. He is a powerhouse, and I don't care if Leonard Fournette is healthy. It doesn't matter to me at this point. Like, the guy can just pound the ball, and it's in Tampa Bay's best interest to run it. And like you were saying earlier, Seth, their defense is so good that they can afford to pound the rock. And I think they'll keep doing it. And I think eventually Rojo's going to get those goal line opportunities, those red zone opportunities. He's going to start start scoring touchdowns. I just, I see big things for him in this offense. And I think that he's, his potential to win you matchups every week is there for sure. What do you guys think? I'm definitely, I'm definitely in your corner. I've traded Ronald Jones in a couple leagues early this season when the, when Leonard Fournette popped off. So I'm definitely regretting that a little bit. I like Ronald Jones, and I think he's he's a guy who can go out every week and get you somewhere between 12 and 20 fantasy points. My only concern is, like, what is with the drops, man? Some of these balls are hitting him in the chest, and, like, it's just like, Ronald, I like you as a player. Like, I just want you to catch the damn ball. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's concerning, but the run aspect of it, I mean, running back cores are so thin on most rosters, like I'm having a hard time putting together the running back part of most of my lineups every week. And I'm having to go to waivers to find somebody. And he's one of those guys that's just consistent. Like don't trade him unless you've already got a loaded backfield, like hold the guy, play him, stop hating on him. Tom, where are you at on Rojo this week against Las Vegas Rundy, which hasn't been great so far in 2020. Yeah, um, I think this week I'm, I don't know. I was definitely one of the, like, not a big fan of Rojo people, but 
I don't know. It's just it, uh, <laughs> it's so hard because I want him to be good. I liked him coming out of college. And then when he landed in Tampa, I was like, all right, cool. They've needed somebody. And then he had such like a lukewarm, you know, time there. He had such a slow start. But now he's very consistent. And then Fournette's going to come back. And what the heck? Like at this point, my best estimation is that Rojo handles the run work and they do passing work with Fournette, honestly, just because, I mean, how many times has he just dropped easy balls? And I don't think Arians will put up with that very much. But, I mean, he's just been so good. He's definitely, like, reached the ride the hot hand yeah. level right now because it's been consistent 100-yard games, two touchdowns last week, you know, and plus 100-plus yards. It's crazy to me. Like, Arians is obviously showing that if they're ahead a couple points, you know what I mean, if they're, like, two scores up, they're just running. He, Rojo's going to get a long leash just go out there and, pound through teams so there's no way that you can't start him i mean if you got him put him in your lineup and this is from someone who's been like trying to not draft him wherever i could this year i, I so. feel like there's so many people like you tom like 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 i think you like you like you said you like rojo but there's so many people i know and and i wasn't avoiding ronald jones in drafts like i would get him if he fell to me I wasn't necessarily like circling him on my board or anything, but yeah, Nate, it's crazy. Like the the disrespect for Rojo out in like the FF community right now is just like it's real. And I hope you're right on this one. And I think it starts here in Las Vegas in week seven. And I guess I'll round out the show today, gentlemen. Uh, pave our way into week seven with my sure thing sleeper of the week, Devonte Freeman. He's, he's definitely returned this season. It's been cool to see so far. Uh, he's come back for the Giants after Saquon obviously got injured. And uh, it was a super slow start for him in that first game. He didn't he didn't get the touches, which obviously wasn't expected in his first performance. Uh, this week he has the Eagles. They've allowed eight rushing touchdowns and at least 100 yards in four of six games so far this season. Uh, he, he's getting the rock, though. Like 11, 17, 18 carries in the last three matchups for him. He had a bad l- last week against Washington, 8 for 61. So, so that was a little concerning. But I think Danny Dimes going to get it going. I think the Giants could maybe even get the monkey off their back with a win against the Eagles. And I think if the Giants are going to win a game, it's going to be on the, d- the back of Devontae Freeman scoring like two touchdowns. I-, I think it just has to be at this point. Yeah, I agree. I didn't see him being a factor even when they signed him at first, but that offense is so bad. And Daniel Jones just, I don't know if he's not it or if it's just the coaching in the team that's not it for him, but they're going to have to ride Freeman and just pray he stays healthy. Seth, I must say, I'm surprised to hear you talk so kindly of Devonta Freeman. Honestly, it's close to being my pick for this week, too. But uh, listen, I'm like the resident Devonta yeah. Freeman truther here. I him to do good things i mean he won me a championship last year 30 points against the jaguars against Never me forget it. against me yeah <laughs> against seth yeah yeah yeah. but uh listen he definitely looks gassed like i'll be honest with you he doesn't look like you know prime falcons devonta freeman but he's getting the ball he's running a lot this giants offense is very bad <laughs> with saquon a hot take daniel jones was never it <laughs> He'll be on soon, I'm sure. But man, um, Freeman, 
against the Eagles, division rivals. They're going to want to get something going, and Freeman is the only way they're getting anything going. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you here, Tom, on everything other than I think you're a little hard on my boy Danny Dimes. I, I mean, this has been a brutal schedule starting out here. It really has. It's it's been it's been tough early sledding here for Daniel Jones. I think he still could be the guy. Uh, I guess we'll see next year once Saquon and, and we get kind of maybe some new receivers in there because it seems like the receiving core honestly is pretty washed outside of outside of Darius Slate and like Golden Tate. I, I liked him as a deep sleeper this week this year a little bit and he's looked pretty washed and like Sterling Shepard just isn't it isn't it and and I'm tired of like like he's some guy like everyone in the community just hypes up every season. It's like it's Sterling Shepard. Oh, I buy I buy him. I buy in on him every year, and I'm always disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Giants really need to go out and uh, like win big in the draft on receivers, or like somebody to trade somebody good. I mean, ever since they got rid of OBJ, that core has been yeah. Rough. Darius Slayton's been the only only bright spot. Uh, but I, I think again, like you said, if they're gonna get something going here in Week Seven, Tom against the Eagles divisional game, it's Devonte Freeman time, baby. So. Hey, I, I love it, gentlemen. It's been a blast, as always. Uh, a lot of great fantasy football advice coming our listeners' way today. A lot of great life advice coming their way as well. Uh, anything special going on the rest of the week? Just waiting for more football. Yeah, not a whole lot. Not a busy week for me. Just football. I mean, we voted, you know, so do that thing. Yeah. But other than that, not a busy week. Yeah, you heard you heard it here first. In between listeners, go out and vote. Do your civic duty, as Tom would say, and uh, join us next week again. We'll be back, uh, getting you getting you ready ahead of Week Eight of the official halfway point of the NFL season. So stay tuned for that, everyone. And we'll be back on another episode. Keep it in between and uh, be safe, everyone. Thank you. Mm-hmm.